Hey, hey, welcome back to another episode of the Racing with Ryan podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Stevens. And uh, first of all, I want to thank everybody for your continued support and remind you that today's show is brought to you by our great sponsors over at American Auto, our friends over at 124 Welding and Fabrication, along with Jesse's Repair Services and a brand new one for this episode. Big thank you to this guy, Andy Morrison and Never Give Up coming on board to sponsor this episode. And, you know, if, if you see Andy scooting around the pits, just know it, it makes his day for you to say, hey, wave at him, uh, acknowledge him. He does a lot for the Bomber guys. He loves you guys. He loves those classes, Bomber A and Bomber B. So uh, thank you to Andy for coming on board and adding to our partners here at the Racing with Ryan podcast. So what are we going to talk about this week? we got a lot to talk about, actually. Um, I'm going to try to keep it... Uh, condensed today since we do have a lot to get uh, to go over but to be honest with you only a couple of tracks got to race this weekend so we are lucky enough to talk about uh the action for family fun night over at new smyrna we're going to head over to citrus county speedway to see what happened over there i'm also going to take you up north to vermont to a track i grew up at one of the tracks that uh, made me fall in love with short track racing and we're going to cover the season opener the ACT event over at Thunder Road, and we'll cover the Dover NASCAR race, which, um, you know, despite the rain out on Sunday, ended up being a pretty good Dover race. Plus, we have an interview in the middle of the show. We're going to talk to the president of the Florida Southern Ground Pounder Division and one of our sponsors here, Mr. Ron Alessandro. So we have all of that coming up on the show, and who knows what tangents we may end up going down. But let's go ahead and start over at New Smyrna, uh, you know, we've been lucky this year. Uh, a lot of times we get a lot of rainouts at the beginning of the year, and it seems to hurt us. We've only had the one, and um, honestly, there was no chance we were getting in that Sunbelt race on the originally scheduled date, so we'll take that one and be very thankful. We've gotten every other event in so far, including all of Speed Weeks and the Red Eye. So I, I know that come summertime, there are going to be rainouts and stuff, but man, what a what a good start to the year. And I'm telling you, I'm going to go ahead and, and be real positive here real quick and, and give a, a kudos to the racetrack. Family Fun Night is a hit, man. It, and it doesn't even matter what's racing. $5 for these people to get in, and there's no reason to complain, no matter what you get. I mean, what else can you do and be entertained for two and a half, three hours, or in Saturday's case, four hours, for five bucks? You can't do it anymore. And um, all the different things that we've been able to do in these family fun nights. And uh, thanks uh, thanks to Margo for helping me be creative with the hula hoop idea. That didn't go exactly as, as planned. But, um, you know, getting the, we're getting the kids on the track. We got the power wheel races. We're getting the fans out on the racetrack with the spectator races, which, man, the crowd loves those. Um, and I can't believe the amount of participants we've been able to get and, and different people keep coming out for it. We, we've got a couple of the regular guys, but man, I'm telling you this family fun night, um, I, I know it was a big risk, uh, for the track to take. And, you know, I, I don't, I don't look at the financial stuff at the end of the night. I just, that's so far away from, um, where my head is at when it comes to these. Uh, so hopefully it's, it's, you know, people are, 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 People are coming, that's for sure. I, I, I heard from numerous people about how they thought the crowd looked great for, for a show like this, and they were right. And hopefully those people are, you know, 
happy when they come in and maybe buying a, a little bit more at the concession stands to kind of even out what the track might uh, might not be taken in at the front gate. Because you got to remember, they're still paying out. I mean, we had 49, almost 50 cars to pay out on Saturday. So the track still has to pay out. Just because it's $5 admission doesn't mean the payout goes down. And believe me, nobody would be happy with that. So um, hopefully it's all working out. But uh, it seems to be, at least from what I'm responsible for on my side of things, it seems to be a big hit. So um, I'm definitely encouraged by that. I'm excited for for the next one. I think we're doing it about once a month. So I don't know that the spectator race is going to happen. I, I don't know that it should happen every week that we do family fun night because it could water down the product. It's kind of a novelty and you don't want to do it too often because then it uh, just becomes, you know, it, it doesn't become as exciting because uh, honestly, really only one thing has ever, one thing big has ever happened in the spectator races. And that was that Mustang crash. But every time we do it, the crowd loves it. I get a chance to kind of come down out of the booth and be more interactive with the crowd crack some stupid jokes and get heckled at by people I know. It, it's it's great. I love it. Um, it's probably one of my favorite things uh, to announce. I just feel so much more into it where, you know, I can't stand on the flag stand during a regular race. I, I can't be up there in the way. Um, and I can't... The, the feedback from the the speakers, if I'm in like the first couple of rows of the grandstands, it's, it's gnarly and that'll blow your eardrums out. So, and a lot of times with the constant engine noise of the cars, if I go outside, which I have done before, I've gone to the spotter stand to call races, I find myself talking over the, trying to talk louder and talk over the cars and I strain my voice. So, you know, perfect storm to be down there and, and having fun with the, the spectator races. But uh, congratulations to Casey Hawthorne, of course, winning that once again. And uh, appreciate all the competitors. I mean, eight people that came out for an event that was announced on Tuesday, five days before the event, is pretty awesome. So um, definitely great addition to the show. The Power Wheel races are fun. Uh, Peyton Monroe now has two wins to her dad, zero. Uh, so that's pretty exciting. The Hula Hoop thing, thanks to Central Florida Raceway Ministries, we'll give them a shout-out. Uh, they helped me with that because we were going to do that before the races started after practice, but unfortunately that bomber car blew up and oiled down the track and can't have a bunch of kids down on the racetrack when the safety crew is trying to clean up so that we can go racing. So I had to postpone that to intermission, and I know that kind of got overshadowed by the power wheel races, but, you know, hey, we tried. So let's get to the racing. Uh, LKQ Superstocks in action. And uh, big news for the Superstocks. We'll, we'll talk about the news as we go through things here. Um, Superstocks have a new support system. American Auto, one of our sponsors here, they've come on board to bring back the dash for cash for the Superstocks. Uh, 13 cars a couple weeks ago, they had a bunch of wrecks, still brought 10 cars to this race. So, And that's about the average for the Superstocks, 10, 11 cars. So that's good. It's good. And I think this dash for cash, I think EJ is going to do it uh, a couple of times this year. And I think that's going to help build the division, get some of these guys out here that might have multiple cars and um, start building this this class, this this class that's had great potential for years. It just needed that final thing to get over the hump. And I think this is going to help uh, dash for cash coming up uh, next week, not this weekend, but the next time the Superstocks race, which is now a 25 lapper because we've had to move the 50 lappers out of this month into next month or the coming months because of the tires. And uh, I saw the comments on the Facebook page, and I didn't reply to any of them because it's just, it, it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't. If we try to do a 50-lap race and say everybody can buy four tires and we run out of tires and somebody's at an obvious disadvantage for 50 laps, you want everybody to, to have an equal shot. 
and you want the tires to be good because it's 50 laps. We don't do 50 laps very often. So the track had to make a choice. Hey, we could have canceled the race altogether, or we can say, hey, we're going to move the 50s in the interest of competition to a later month. You'll still have it. You still get to race. And we're just going to, you know, we got to manage these tires a little bit more because there are more in production and we will be getting more. And it's just taking a little bit longer. So we've had to limit the amount of tires people can buy per week, which, I mean, I should have been doing that a long time ago anyway. But I'm glad that the situation has finally forced the hand. Uh, I think it's going to be one tire until we get more in. And that's, to me, that's great. You know, if you uh, if you haven't raced here in a while, you can get takeoffs from somebody. And guess what? You don't have to buy tires here. If you want to go elsewhere and get your tires, have at it. But uh, to keep things going so that we can continue to race is what we have to do. So EJ, though, has de- decided that he's still going to do the dash for cash. So it'll be 25 laps and a dash for cash for the Super Stocks next time they race. Good stuff. Good stuff all the way around. I know the tire thing is it, it's a bit sketchy. Um, and hopefully there are no further, I think what the track is doing to mitigate the situation versus last year, just canceling a bunch of races is, is good. And I know that EJ is in constant, uh, talks with Rusty, keeping him updated on the situation so that we can plan and continue to race. I, th- I think everybody's going to be happier with still being able to race versus canceling the races. And I know some people are mad. Oh, just let us race the two tires for the 50. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Well, you know, I, I I think the calls that have been made are in the best interest of everybody. So, anyways, after all that, um, Justin Spears remains undefeated in the LKQ Superstocks. He really had to earn it a few weeks ago, battling Doug Sammy in there at the end. Uh, this week, he got to the lead, never looked back. Bobby Holly's car is, is getting back to where it should be. He finished second. And Eugene Tuminello completes a comeback day after a big wreck in practice that uh, would have put probably... Uh, half the field on the trailer done for the night. Um, he was able to rebound and uh, had a tough heat race, rebound to finish third once again in the feature. He is a perennial championship contender this year. Paul Cochi fourth, Don Duval, your top five. Shout out to James Adams, who hit the wall a ton and um, in the heat race and is actually, he'll be back with the E-Mods here this weekend. So that's a little bit of good news. Glad James is okay. That was a tough, tough hit. Looks like right front tire went down and he just careened off the wall. So glad he's all right, and we'll see him again next week. Mon Mini's back in action, and Todd Hot continues his hot streak, if you will, two for two on the regular season, beating out Brad Blanton and David Russell. The big three, that's going to be a fun championship battle. If one of those drivers has a bad night, um, you know, has a tire go down, has a mechanical problem, that could be daggers for them. They could be out of the championship race because of one bad race because that big three. Right now, Todd Hot's got the little bit of advantage, but Brad Blanton and David Russell, they're right there. They're former champions. They know how to get around this place. Um, I figure you're going to see probably two wins a piece by each of these drivers throughout the season, and it's all going to come down to consistency. And I, I, I really feel like one bad night could decide the Mod Mini Championship. I know there's not a whole lot of these guys. They did bring seven cars this week, so that's encouraging. Um, talking with uh, potential Potential, and this is all talks, uh, maybe a potential sponsor coming on board to help out the Mod Mini class. Uh, Timmy Volpius has some ideas of some stuff that he wants to do later on in the year that might help boost some things as well. Um, I know a lot of people, there, there's not a lot of buzz around the Mod Minis, but it's a good class. It's a fun class. And, and honestly, 
watching Blanton Russell and Hot battle all year long will keep it interesting. So I, I'm on board with this. Shout out to uh, uh, Jason Scroverin, a career best fourth place run. Ernie Winton, another rookie rounding out your top five. So we have some new people showing up to these things. So that's that's good. Um, you know, Todd Hot, Brad Blanton, David Russell battle for the championship. Looking forward to that. Bomber A's. Give them another shout-out. They brought 19 cars, third week in a row that they've raced. So this is the first time they haven't topped 20. Um, but with three weeks in a row, a 50-lapper, Crash-O-Rama going on. I know a couple of our Bomber guys that don't necessarily care about points. They'll take them when they can get them. Uh, they, they went and did the Crash-O-Rama stuff, which is fine, and they'll be back, no doubt about it. But we still had 19 cars. Now, uh, Chris Seventy blew up in practice. William Ballou had problems in practice, and then Dustin Higdon's car broke in the heat race, or after the heat race, and he hopped aboard the Nicobotsis 25. So you had three drivers not start, 16 cars started, which is a respectable field. I remember back in the day, if you had 16 bomber cars, it was like, holy crap, oh my God, what a big field. And uh, nowadays, 16 bombers, or even 19 bombers, is it's, it's respectable, because it's we've been at 24-25 uh, but it was still a great race, and it was real fun watching Dustin Higdon come from the back. Now, he had the bounty on his head, and Stephen Wright was able to to win the race and beat Dustin Higdon, and Frank said, hey, the bounty still counts. So um, Stephen Wright drove the wheels off the 47 car, got his second win of the year. He looks to be the guy to beat. I know Dustin's beat him uh, once in tech and once on the track in the 50-lapper, but Stephen Wright's got a real fast car. And, um, you know, he's behind in the points a little bit because of the DQ, but I don't know that he'll necessarily be a championship contender, but he'll get back into the top five by the end of the season if he runs all the races. So uh, watching Stephen Wright, Dustin Higgins, CJ Creech, that's kind of your big three in the Bombers. Todd Latour, now that he's got his uh, asphalt car back out there, I think he's going to be a player this year as well. And then Jim Snyder, he just can't seem to get off the snide, if you will, out of fifth place. And, um, you know, another fifth place run. They, they switched cars between the Snyders this week. Uh, Jim was in the 81X and um, Daniel was in the other 81. They both, they both ran uh, top 10, fifth, and seventh. So the cars are right there. They're good cars. They just, they're, they're fighting a little bit of the, the new rules and, and just getting used to it. But Stephen Wright wins again. Dustin Higdon in the 25 car comes home second. I know it says 15 in the results, but when you have a car switch, it's just easier to keep the car that was registered. Anyways, that's housekeeping stuff. Just, meh, whatever. Uh, CJ Creech comes home third, Todd Latour fourth. I think Todd is going to protest that finish because if you go watch the video, it is close. So we'll see how that, uh, we'll see how that comes out and we'll see what the result is of any protest. We'll update that story as it, as it happens. Jim Snyder fifth, Daniel Bromley sixth, Daniel Snyder seventh. Then some, um, some fun finishes here in the top 10. Larry Masters, Uniel Diaz and James Partlow, your top 10. So um, cool to see some new names in the top 10. And and I talked to somebody, I'm not going to call them out on the podcast and they know who they are. They called me yesterday and we had about a 30, 35 minute conversation. And you know, they were, they, they have different views on the, the tire situation that I do. And, and we talked through it. And honestly, why I like the tire rule, and I'm not a racer. The racers are going to have a different opinion. And those that are invested with these cars are going to have a different opinion. And that's what makes, you know, opinions great. Everybody has a different one. But I had a conversation with them and I said, the reason I like the tire rule is because I feel like the competition is closer. And we're seeing different names in the top 10. And their their counterpoint, well, you got the same guys winning. Well, absolutely. 
but they're good drivers. And now everybody's on an equal playing field, so to speak, and they're showing that they are still the best drivers. So there's no doubt about it. The, you know, Stephen Wright, Dustin Higdon, CJ Creech, Todd Latour, Jim Snyder, those are the big five. Those are the top five guys in this class. Brandon Monroe, throw him up in the mix too. He's been much better this year. He didn't have a good night, but, you know, those six guys, that's your top six most every night. It would have been last year too, most likely, but you're seeing a few different names in the top 10. And it's not just because only 10 cars showed up. I mean, we had 19 cars show up and people are getting their first career top 10s. And that's what I like about the tire rule. Last year, those guys might have finished 8th, ninth, 10th on this week, but they would have been a lap down. And now they're not. So to me, in the interest of competition, yeah, the tire's wearing out a little bit. Do you have to adjust your style? Yeah, but you got to keep up with the Joneses, you know? So I, I like it. Um, I know we've talked a lot about it and everyone has different opinions and yeah, when, when you have a tire start coming apart or, you know, you fall back late in the race cause the, the tires are starting to give up after your third, fourth race or whatever. Yeah. That could be frustrating, but you know, at least you're not having to pay 700, whatever dollars to get new tires to, to compete like the super stock guys. So think about it that way. Um, and, and hopefully this will be an afterthought, but I really appreciate the phone call that I had and, and, and going and talking through different opinions and doing it respectively, you know, and then actually end up talking about other things and in life and this and that, that, that's good stuff. That's how, that's how you should be able to talk racing, even if you don't agree necessarily on everything. So another good turnout for the Bombers. They will be in action again here this weekend, fourth time in a row, then they'll get a week off. That'll be nice. Orange Blossom Woodworks Bomber Bees. Got to tell you, I know I've said, you know, this division just, I don't know why it hasn't really exploded or taken off quite like the Bomber A's have. And after talking to somebody, it's like, yeah, be patient, give it time. And it's, it's building. It's just, it's not, it's not the Bomber A's right now. It's not the Crown Vicks like it did other tracks, but this was the best Bomber B race since they've started this class two, three years ago. This is the best race, hands down the best race. What a battle between Tony Bromley and Ben Say. And, uh, I was talking to somebody. I'm like, man, if Ben perfects his line a little bit better, gets more comfortable with his line around this racetrack, he will win a race this year. Ben Say won the heat race over Tony Bromley and was chasing Tony Bromley down. And we had three guys battling for the win. You had John Grosh, Tony Bromley, and Ben Say all battling for the win. And they got a little bit of a tussle on the back straightaway. John Gross paid the price, hit the wall. He'll be back, no doubt about that. Uh, but that was a tough break. But a great three-way battle for the lead. And when John crashed, you had Wayne Lewis come off the trailer, come back out on the track. After he'd called it a day, say, hey, today's not my day. We'll work on this thing. We'll come back. He pulled it off the trailer, made a few more laps, and finished fourth. Um, but at the end of the day, it was the point leader, Tony Bromley, who was able to hold off Ben Say. You had to come all the way from the back after after the contact knocked his tire down. So, uh, honestly, one of the best Bomber B races. And not like, not like gimmicky, starting somebody half a lap down, catching the field, and... You know, it wasn't like there was a whole bunch of calamity. You had a really good race up at the front. You had an incident that kind of switched the race. And then you had a battle at the end. And like I said, when Ben Say gets, you know, really comfortable, he's still new at this. He was a fan of the stands two years ago. And I, I think that little Mustang is going to have something for Bromley by the end of the year. So that'll be fun to watch. Then, of course, we had the Florida Southern Ground Pounders. Stay tuned later in the show. We're going to talk to their president, Ron D'Alessandro, from 124 Welding and Fab. He's the president of this crazy group, and I got to give this group credit. You know, they went through some stuff last year. 
Um, racing twice in a row, it wasn't originally set up to be that way, but the way the reschedules happened, it did happen that way, and that can be tough on this class, and they had a tough race the week before, yet they still brought eight cars to the racetrack. Unfortunately, Scott Phobes ended up crashing practice. Um, he still started seven cars, and it was cool to see a new winner. John Smith was able to outduel Art Koonsman for the lead and held on to win, and then how about John Hatton? Man, it's like he figured it out the last three, four laps. And if it, if it had been a 25-lap race, John Hatton probably would have won. So it was cool to see some new players up at the front. John Smith gets a win. John Hatton second. Art Coons in the Rat Rod third. Scott Cutter, who was, man, we got a new nickname for him. We got a always sideways Scott, I think is what we're going to call him. He was all over the place, but fun to watch. And then Billy Bellflower in the 14, rounding out your top five. Uh, a wreck between Colin Smith and Jim Zebley kind of got things started off on a sour note. But once the race happened, it was a good one, and uh, John Smith took the win. So, again, after we talk NASCAR at Dover, we will have the interview with Ron, and um, we'll pick his brain about the Florida Southern Ground Pounders. He's now the president of the group. So we'll, we'll hear from him about, you know, the future of this class and and what he thinks about it. And we're going to learn a little bit about Ron. Uh, one of the nicest guys you'll find in the pits. Um, always a guy at the end of the night that we end up having conversations with. And got a lot of racing knowledge. So we'll learn a little bit a little bit about him. And uh, we'll learn more about this ground pounder division. Because I, I don't think a lot of people quite understand um, kind of the origins of it. And the reason that they're part of the card. So we'll talk about that here in a bit. So that was uh, Family Fun Night at New Smyrna. And like I said at the top of the segment, uh, really just I, I enjoy this night. Uh, I think it's been very successful. And uh, even though it was a long night due to some of the delays, it ended up being a good one. You cut out the delays. If you go back and watch it on Speedway Video without the delays, I think you'll really enjoy it. And uh, there were still a lot of people left at the end of the night, even though it was late. So you chop some of those delays out. It was a good night. I give it a 9 out of 10. So... How would I score this week's NASCAR race, you ask? Or maybe you didn't, but we've been doing this the last couple weeks anyways. Um, yeah, i got to say, the new car delivered at Dover. We've had a couple of stinkers in Martinsville. Bristol Dirt was meh. Richmond was kind of meh. Um, so we go to Dover, which is kind of in between. It's not a super speedway, but it's not a short track. It's a one-mile oval, and it's concrete. We don't know how that's going to perform yet. And, uh, man, just think about the last memorable Dover race. Don't think about this weekend's race, but go back and think about Dover. Not much to really think about. Not even I couldn't even tell you really who won at Dover last, well, la the last few years. I remember Alex Bowman did steal the win from Kyle Larson, but that was a boring race. Very forgettable. Go back to 2017, 2018, who won at Dover? When was the last good Dover race? Exactly. You can't really think of one. Um, Sunday was impacted by Mother Nature, so they had to move the conclusion of the race until Monday. And I got to tell you, I, I sat here and watched it while I worked, and I really enjoyed it. I thought it was the best Dover race probably since the battle with Matt Kenseth, uh, Chase Elliott, and Kyle Larson back in, I want to say, 2016. They had a big wreck that eliminated some of the fast cars, and then um, Chase Elliott going for his first win, and Kyle Larson trying to close in, and it just they they couldn't outduel future Hall of Famer Matt Kenseth. So that was about the last good Dover race I can remember, and I think this one topped it. Um, you had I believe 17, 18 lead changes, which for Dover is really good. 
It only scores a five on our scorecard for lead changes, but in Dover's terms, it was good. It was exciting. Um, you had a couple of moments that really switched the race up. This had Kyle Busch written all over it. He had a fast car. He led a lot of laps. Hell, the beginning of the race had Denny Hamlin written all over it. He had a fast car before his pit crew had an issue, and they forgot to tighten the tire. And the tire come off, battles back up to fourth, and gets wrecked by, of course, Cody Ware, uh, who spins out on his own, comes down the track, and just cleans out Hamlin. So you take him out, and then it's Kyle Busch's race to lose. Got to make that last pit stop, and you get a caution for what else? A loose wheel off A.J. Elmendinger's car. Caution comes out. Uh, Bush uh, and Alex Bowman were kind of going to be the two that were going to settle it. Like, who's going to have the best pit stop? Who's going to have good restarts if we had that late in the race? They pit. Tire comes off Almondinger, and boom. The whole complexion of the race changes. And uh, actually, Ross Chastain now in control of the lead. Could he get his third one of the year? Eh, not quite. A couple of restarts there, and Chase Elliott was able to grab the lead away. And on the final restart, Elliott was able to take take hold of the lead, set sail, and not look back. So, yeah, the last 40 laps or whatever weren't that exciting, but it still had that, you know, edge of your seat. You're waiting for another caution. Tires were definitely wearing, so it was a long green run to end it. So you just had to wonder, oh, are we going to get that late race caution? Somebody's going to have a tire issue, right? This thing's not going to end like this, but it did. Um, Chase Elliott gets his first oval win in over a year. Almost two years, really, if you think about it. Year and a half. Um, he's able to hold off the 47 of Ricky Stenhouse. Where the heck did he come from? Uh, that would have been a playoff changer if he could have won. But he didn't. Chase, the point leader coming in, now locked into the chase, which he was going to make it anyways. But now that gives us nine winners. 16 drivers make the playoffs. And if you win, you're virtually locked in. We've never had more than 16 winners in the regular season. So I don't think, I'm going to go ahead and say right now, we're not going to have 16 winners in the regular season. I'm going to say we have 13. So that's four more winners in the next 14, 15 races, whatever it is, into the playoffs. There are a lot of unknowns coming up, and we've already seen a couple of winners leading on the last lap that didn't come back and actually win the race. That really could have, we could have, we could have 10, 11 different winners at this point. Reddick. Uh, Eric Jones, if he could have hung on at Talladega. So I still think there's plenty of opportunity for winners, but the later you get in the season, the, you know, the, that percentage of a new winner, the chance goes way down. Now, I still think Ryan Blaney will win a race. I think Joey Logano will somehow win a race. I think we're going to have another, you know, lucky winner, whether it be Atlanta. We still have that coming up. That's basically a plate track now. Talladega still to come, a couple of road courses, um, new track, Gateway. So there's still, I'd say, four, five, six opportunities for a surprise. And hell, I mean, Ricky Stenhouse just finished second at Dover, a normal, if you will, racetrack. So I still think the potential for 13 winners is definitely there, maybe 14. We had 14 going in the playoffs last year. So, and Kyle Larson got on his hot streak about this time last year. So we'll see what happens. It's going to be interesting. Um, Still a lot of unknowns, still learning a lot about this car, but Dover, in my opinion, was a good race. I voted yes on the Jeff Gluck poll on Twitter. But how did it score? Let's go ahead and put it on the scorecard real quick, and then we will uh, we'll take a commercial break. We'll hear from Ron D'Alessandro, and we'll go around the state after, after this. 
So Dover on the scorecard. Racing, I gave it a six. Uh, the racing was good. The groove widened out as the rubber got put down on the racetrack. Uh, Sunday's racing was man, not much happened on Sunday, but I give it a six overall on racing. Uh, maybe could have gotten a point higher on that, but it's a six. Excitement, I give it an eight. It was an exciting race. It wasn't like the, you know, oh my God, that, you know, instant classic, but I still give it an eight on excitement. The finish, I give it a four. Um, kind of go back to the last 50 laps. Those restart battles with Chastain and Elliott kind of deciding who was going to take control of the race when we had that rash of yellows there towards the end or before we got to the last restart. Uh, it, it was good racing between the one and the nine, so I give it a four. Not the most exciting thing, but not the worst either. Lead changes, 17, I believe, was the official count, so that scores a five. Remember, that is, uh, we use a scale for that. That's not just me saying it's a five. I, for Dover standards, probably a 10 or a nine, but it scores a five because got to keep consistent. And enjoyment overall, 9 out of 10. I really enjoyed it. So the race at Dover gets a 6.4 overall, and I want to compare that to Bristol Dirt, which I gave a 6, Martinsville, which got a 1.4, and Richmond, which got a 5.2. So definitely up. Definitely up. A good race. And overall right now, the season total, all the scores averaged out a 6.75. So almost 70%, if you will. Uh, I, I think this season is still off to a good start. Uh, there's been a few stinkers, but it's a 36-race season. You can count on 10 to 12 stinkers a year because that's just the way racing goes. So good race at Dover. Looking forward to this weekend at Darlington, the throwback race. Um, I think Darlington's going to be very similar to Dover. I think we're going to have some battles. Dover's a lot skinnier racetrack. I think some pit strategy will come into play. Hopefully the tires wear out. Um this new composite body on the car is going to make these guys be able to run that high side. And if they step over the line, yeah, they'll scrape up the side of the car a little bit, but they'll be able to keep going. So you will see drivers in the wall. You'll see them running high. Um, it should be fun. The throwback schemes are kind of mad with the number placement, but whatever. There'll still be some cool nostalgic memories out there and uh, definitely stuff that in the Florida racing community you'll recognize. So looking forward to that. The Xfinity race should be killer. Uh, trucks on Friday, Xfinity Saturday, and then Mother's Day. Happy uh, happy early Mother's Day, by the way, to any mothers that might have to listen to this when their husbands put it on at dinner or in the car or whatever. Um, or, hey, if we got mothers actually listening, happy Mother's Day. Um, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to Darlington. I don't know when I'm going to be able to watch it. Uh, I've got quarter midgets on Mother's Day, so it'll be New Smyrna Saturday night for us, and then... Uh, actually, Margo's going over to Citrus, so we'll get her on the show next week again, and she'll give us a report from Citrus. And I'll be at New Smyrna. She'll be at Citrus with the kids, and she'll be hanging out with my mom over there. And then I got quarter midget Sunday morning, and I'm driving over to Leesburg for probably dinner with my mom. So crazy week coming up. Trucks Friday night. Try to watch that. Uh, Xfinity Saturday. I don't know when I'll watch that. I'll try. And then Sunday, we'll record the race and probably watch it when we get home from Leesburg. So that's the plans coming up for next week. Should be fun to talk about. We will now take a quick commercial break. We'll hear from Ron D'Alessandro. And we'll go around the state, which this week is we'll head over to Citrus and we'll go to Thunder Road. And that'll wrap up the show. Appreciate everybody listening. <laughs> All right. We want to welcome to the Racing with Ryan podcast hotline the president of the Florida Southern Ground Pounders, Mr. Ron D'Alessandro. Ron, how are you today? 
I'm doing good, Ryan. How are you today? I'm doing good. Thanks for taking some time to call in. I appreciate it. I appreciate you having me on. Hey, we've been uh, we've been talking to y'all, talking about you on this thing for a couple of weeks now. So it's good to uh, actually hear from one of our our sponsors and the man himself. And uh, so I got to ask you, kind of like I ask all the guests on here, um, how did you get into this racing thing? Um, uh, that's a that that could be a long story. I could use a whole podcast for that. Oh, um, I'm a third generation. I started uh, racing because my cousins did it, my uncles, my fathers, grandfathers. It all goes back to Riverside Park Speedway, which is amazing because basically um, I keep running into people down in Florida from Riverside Park, you know, that uh, that knew me from there. But, um, yeah, my grandfathers and uh, uncles started back in the late 40s, early 50s. My father raced, uncles, and then um, I started helping out my cousin Bruce in 1988, 89 on his, on his, um, tour type modified. And, uh, I started driving the very next year in uh, pro four modifies. So like a lot of people, a family deal, and then you got to drive and that, was it, uh, was it when you started driving that you got the bug or did you have the bug just because it ran in the family? Oh, it ran in the family. I was, uh, well, you know, we were, we were, I'm, I'm going to use the word poor here. You know, we didn't have a lot of money. My family always built everything they, they ran. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, ripped them out of the junkyards, made beautiful looking race cars. And I was always down to shop. I loved fabricating. I loved learning how to fabricate. And it was just a natural progression. And didn't see myself as a driver, but then I got the bug. And like you said, um, working on a team and then getting to know all the players, I decided I wanted to try and see, see if I was any good at it. Well, to me, I mean, that that's grassroots racing right there. You take the car to the junkyard and you turn it into a race car and then you actually learn how to work on it instead of, you know, just paying all this money to get one of these late models that somebody else built to go race for, you know, and only race for big money races anymore. I mean, sounds to me like you came up the right way. Um, well, I was always taught if someone can make it, you can make it. And, there you go. Um, that's that's how we i could afford to race i couldn't afford to go buy nerf bars i couldn't afford to i had to learn how to bend them i had to learn how to weld you know um it was easy to it's it's easy to pay to throw a credit card at it but it's better and um if you if you know how to fix stuff yourself well i feel like that's part of what got you into the position you are now because i know these ground pounder guys especially lately are are keeping you busy with, with keeping these cars on the racetrack well, um, I tell you what, they're keeping Toby Smith busy. He he has got so many cars in and out of his garage, and um, I just I, I have a 124 welding. You know, I have the um, the metal work, and yeah. but I do a lot of chassis suspension work, and I keep the flame cutter going. My plasma table is running constantly, and um, we've had some bad luck, you know, in the ground pounders this season. A few good wrecks. And Toby is uh, welding the chassis together, ordering parts from me, and um, trying to get everybody back together. So it's know? kind of a collaborative effort between the two of you to keep those things running, pretty much. Yeah, and there's a lot more than two of us. It's a it's a whole group effort. There is so many people involved in this. It would take me forever to, you know, um, Scott Cutter, other drivers. Uh, Toby's grandson Colin um, is learning how to how to weld and fix cars and. You know, once again, teaching the next generation to yeah. come up to work with their hands. I mean, you've got to keep that next generation going or else there is no more race fans. And I feel like we, we maybe as racing as a whole hasn't been as good at doing that lately. I think they're starting to get it back, but uh, I think we've lost some of that. And that's led to some of the downfall of kind of racing as a whole, not just NASCAR, but short track racing, too. Well, you know, uh it's funny you say that my son was helping me in the, in the garage and at, at, I was racing at Thompson Speedway 
up. I had an SK. I always tow with an open trailer. Once again, you know, financial wise, trailers don't win races. Yeah, but those things are um, awesome. Those open trailers. And I went to pick him up one day. We Thompson ran on Thursday nights, and I went to the high school to pick him up. I have my open trailer. My I got a beautiful modified on there. Uh, my truck, and that one student came over to look at the car. Huh. And, and that kind of perplexed me. I was like, wow. So I went to the track that night, and I was talking to some other drivers, and, you know, Ryan Therese is still racing in the SKs. And I said, what would happen if a modified came to your high school when you were there? You know, you guys would be all over. We'd be going crazy. And I said, not one, one kid, they, they didn't look up from their phones for a minute. You know, and that kind of bothered me. I'm like, well, yeah. how do you get the next generation into it? You know, it did. It, it, it's there. Well, but, that's, you know, I feel like that's why social media with these racetracks is so big now because that's where the kids' eyes are at. You know, I mean, uh, when I took over the new Smyrna page, part of the reason I wanted to get involved with that is they didn't do much with it. It was just basic generic clip art. Hey, here's what's racing. The graphics look like crap. And I'm no graphic artist, but I'm like, I feel like I could do a little bit more with this because I'm a fan and I know what I want to see. So I want to put that out there. And the opportunity presented itself and now I'm stuck with it. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you bit off more than you could chew on, yeah. but you're going to chew it anyway. Welcome to the racing world, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. It's still um, fun, though. I enjoy it. I see a lot of, I see a lot of younger guys coming in, especially, uh, well, up north. I, I still pay attention to where I am, Stafford and Thompson up there. But New Smyrna is my home track. Since I moved to Florida three years ago, I love Smyrna. It's a nice place, very friendly, but I see a lot of younger guys coming in, mm-hmm. especially in the, in the bomber classes but and they're serious they're not they're not there's not a lot of you know daddy deep pockets in 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 these divisions uh, that's which, part of why i love that division so much serious racers that that do this basically on a budget yep and we got a couple of young guys coming in in the ground pounders got more cars coming in um starting you know the um a couple of the guys that split off in the ground pounders that now they're um they're working hard to get the 602 modified yep. division which is i'm really looking forward to see where that's going to go there's a there's a lot going on at Smyrna that, that really people should know about. It's, it's, Absolutely, it's, there's a lot going on. Well, what so you, you kind of you started up north. You're one of those northern modified guys, if you will. Yep. What brought you down here three years ago? Uh, well, <laughs> it started about eight years ago. My father was living in Melbourne, and he was passing away. And I was working up north as a construction worker. I worked 25 years as a union boilermaker, and I um I came down here to take care of dad for about four months. Okay. Fell in love with the area. Just you know, I I hate snow. <laughs> yeah. And um I mean, don't get me wrong, I miss I miss my friends up north, but I just kinda needed a change. And um told the wife I came home and I said, you know, I really want to start maybe looking towards Florida as a retirement thing, you know, like you know, and not that I retired, it's just that uh, Right, right. Things happen, and uh, I decided that I'm going to Florida. You can come with me if you want. And luckily, she did because I got a, <laughs> I got a wonderful, supportive wife. Jennifer is awesome. And um, I moved down here. We went to the races at Smyrna one night, and we're watching, you know, the the the, the prolates and everything else. And next thing you know, the ground ponders are rolling out. And I said, "Well, I know these cars." Yeah. The two X. I mean, I knew the Judkins. You know, that was the thing. I, I grew up, and I was still able to meet all the all the heroes of the sport what i what i consider heroes and then the 44 came out well i knew mario very very well because my cousin bruce had driven for him on and off many times you know and you know friends of the family and my wife looked at me she goes up oh, here we go again and next thing you know i was at toby's shop later that week <laughs> man know? see i i just i i kind of figured i'm glad i had you on because i kind of figured you knew toby and just kind of got involved with the thing it's, it's cool to hear you were just there in the stands and happened to be there for a ground pounder night and now 
here you are heading up the group. That's crazy. Yeah, the group set, you know, um, the thing about the ground pounders is, is, is we race the cars hard. You um, do. You can race as hard as you want, but we're more emphasizing on the fun. It's a group, it's a group of great people. Um, it is. They've they've had a little bit of rough rough waters the past year or so, but that's all been worked out. You know, yeah, things and, and happen. That that kind Change of thing happens. The the more people you get involved, the more you're gonna have disagreements and this and that. And hey, the the disagreements settled down, and now we're back to racing. And it's been it's been good stuff. I know the the back to back weeks with with some of the stuff that's happened's been been tough, but they, I personally feel like it is a great addition to the card to any card. And it, it, those cars are awesome to look at, and it got it got you hooked. So, I mean, think oh, about yeah. all the other uh, people that are looking at those cars, thinking the same thing. I absolutely love the vintage cars. I was heavily involved up north with the near New England mm-hmm. Antique Racers and um, the the um, the nostalgia deal. I, luckily, I was able to be involved in a lot of that stuff up north. But the the nostalgia down here, when you when you walk into the pits of Smyrna, and some gentleman comes up and shakes your hand, you really don't always know who you're running into. Um, you know. It, there, there's a lot of very, very um, famous people down here, or people that I've always heard of but haven't met. You know, Gary Ballou type. Yeah, you know, Jeff, are, Jeff Bodine's there when, with a couple of sportsmen guy. You, you just never know who you know might actually be there incognito as well. Yep, and it was great to see Chris Hopkins flagging the other day, and, yeah. uh, which I got to actually call him back. He called me last week, and I missed a coffee with him. I got to go. I got to catch up with him. But, um, you know, there's just, uh, once again, it's a laid-back atmosphere at Smyrna, and it's just a fun place. You know, yeah. really and have a good time there. That, I look forward a, to my Saturday night, sir. That's been an emphasis lately. Like, we got to get back to just having fun. There's so many things to worry about in the racing world, and especially nowadays. Everything's expensive. Tires are scarce, this and that. Pay is this, and, you know, yep. everything's expensive, and it's just trying to get back to having fun. And I feel like we, we did that, uh, especially with these family fun nights. I was talking, uh, in the earlier part of the, the show, I'm like, it doesn't matter what is even on the schedule. Those nights, those nights are already a hit. The, the price point is getting people in the gates. Uh, the spectator races are very engaging. The crowd loves it. And then it's kind of like, um, the racing at that point, you, you just end up enjoying it more because you've, you've paid less to get in, you're getting more value out of it. And then you're getting to see some great racing too. Oh yeah. Um, actually we were talking about the, my wife loves the spectator racing because it's, it there, it's always, geez, how are you going to explain this to your insurance company? Right. You know? Oh my God. <laughs> she was so anxiety about it the other night. It was hilarious, you know, because those guys, they run hard. They do. They really do. And I know the crowd, they're all wanting somebody to wreck, but I don't want that. Cause I'm like, man, if they do that. Then they'll never want to come do this again. <laughs> and um well yeah I, I mean and you know the tire issues for the for the regular race cars i mean the tire shortage is nationwide yeah. and you know racers that's one thing that we're good at is adapting and overcoming yeah so i i mean as much as a pain it's going to be racers will always adapt and overcome well i'm glad uh things are the schedule's changing up a little bit to allow the tire stock to build back up i, I like changing a few things around versus canceling races like we had to do last year so i feel like even though some guys are bummed because their 50 lappers are right around the corner now they got to wait a little bit i think that's better than canceling them and saying well too bad you know the races are canceled the next few weeks until we can stock the tires back up and i'm a fan of the tire limit uh, even though it's kind of being forced on us right now I'm i'm a fan of that let's uh i've always been about let's make it more valuable for these guys to come race well, um, limiting tires is, is something I've always been for because I've always I've always approached it as a working man's salary. Yeah. Um, some guys can afford to bolt four tires on. 
I, I was racing against a guy to put six on. He would put on two tires to, for a heat race. And That's I just, crazy. Th- that blew my mind. I'm like, you're, you're just throwing money out the window. But anyway, um, I always look at it as that if I can afford to buy a tire or two and everybody else is limited to one or two tires, then it evens it up for a guy like me. It does. And then I feel like that makes more people want to be part of it. It may, it, there's less people getting discouraged when they're not just chasing who's able to throw all the money out. You know what I mean? A guy that runs seventh every week versus a guy that's able to buy the tires every week, that guy who runs seventh is going to get sick of that and be like, eh, I'll take a few weeks off. But if the guy who's running seventh now feels like he can compete with the guy who's running first, he might not beat him, but he feel like he can compete. That's going to want to keep him coming back. So, exactly. And, and, and um, I know. Well, the good thing about the ground pounders is that we run takeoffs. Yeah. Um, you're allowed to have four tires a year through the whole year. That's you use them when you want. If you, if you can, you know, if you can buy them, you know, or if you want to, but I mean, it's, but we basically a takeoff tire, you know, use tires and you learn how to set the car up a little bit different. Um, I'm not a setup guy myself. I'm, I'm, I'm better at fabricating. Toby Smith is a very good setup guy. He's been helping me a lot with setup. And, um, but it's, it's more, it's more like you said, if, if you can keep the money aspect out of it, it brings in a lot more fun. Yes, I, I agree wholeheartedly on that. And uh, I think the, the the tire deal with the ground pounders, it adds a little bit of strategy because you might have one guy who comes out of the gates blazing and you think, oh, nobody will catch him. And then the tires start catching up. And then we mix it up a little bit. Then somebody else is on it for a little bit. And then you get somebody else. And, uh, you know, you have some reliability issues with the older cars. So somebody's got everything in the bag and then, boom, they have a problem. And then you get somebody new in victory lane. And, those cars are so cool to look at, and it's 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 such a cool spectacle. And you you brought up near uh, earlier. Yes. I, I used to watch them up north, and it was a cool parade. But the ground pounders, man, they come out and they they race hard. It's a cool. They're cool looking, and it's a cool race. Well, they have a couple of different clubs up up north. They have near and star. Near near is a parade because a lot of those cars are original. Mm. And oh, okay. The- Kind of don't want to wreck those ones. Yeah, so, that makes know, sense. Some of them, they bring them out of museums to, to run the, the the museum up in New Hampshire. Um, Star was uh, Mary Lima, uh, rest her soul. She passed away last year. Uh, that was her club. And they run a little bit faster than here, but they still, it's it's a limited thing. Then you have our arts group, which was the Vintage Outlaws, which basically they were the same as what we do down here with the Ground Pounders. And at Thompson, but Stafford, a couple of the open shows, those guys run hard. They're, they're very similar to the Virginia Outlaw. I mean, um, Virginia Ground Pounders, which we've modeled our club after. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's some there's some guys there, but, you know, most of the cars in these clubs that will run hard are, I, I don't want to say newer style chassis. They're dated chassis, but they've got the best safety equipment in them. You know, there's a couple guys that, that you know, we, we let thing, a few things slide because of the, the historic of the cars, but. Most of the time, like when you see like Arts 57 Chevy, that thing is, you know, he's got all the safety stuff. Yeah, that's, that's a safe car. That's like a built race car that just looks That's a built race cool. car with a beautiful rat rod body on it. I love yeah, that car. I love it too. It's and, been um, uh, cool to see Art build that thing. Just And he knows he's just coming out there to have fun with it. But he built it to come have fun. And that's, at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. And he, I tell you, you know, r- racing hard, it's, he says, he goes, I've, I've raced harder in the ground pounders. I've had more fun. You know, he won the other night and then John Smith beat him this past weekend. But let's talk about, um, John Hatton coming up through the field on his, yeah. his third race in that car. Yeah. He came and out of nowhere in those last like four or five laps. I thought he might steal the thing. 
I really did too. We were cheering for him. I think in three or four more laps, I was like, yikes, this, this kid is coming. And been... it gets exciting. Everybody was there cheering and having a good time. And afterwards, they're all high-fiving. You know, I mean, it was, you know, yeah, okay, Toby's um, grandson in the 2X, he ended up in the wall. You know, we can fix the car. Uh, Scott Fogues had a bad night. Jimmy uh, Zabley had a, had a, you know, he tapped into somebody and had a little bit of a problem. Those things are racing. They're going to happen, yep. but we all recover. We're all going to be back next week or exactly. the next show. I think it's in three weeks. And it's, it's been fun to see the, the comers and goers and the different names that, that come year to year so it keeps it keeps it fresh when when you get somebody like john smith who's you know finally getting able to break through and, and beat art and then john hatton comes out of nowhere it's it's been yep. a lot of fun this year and uh i wanted to um before we let you go i wanted to ask okay. you the significance of 124 obviously it's it's in the company name 124 welding and fabrication you drove the 124 where does that come from Okay, my grandfather, my Uncle George, and I believe my Uncle Bob. I might be wrong on that, and I wish my father was still around to talk about this. I have it written down somewhere. I got notes from him. Um, they all started back in, like, 1948, 1949. They had a driver named um, Billy Heber, and they had the one, two, three. It was the three, the three family members, and there was the 123. And then they did pretty well with that. They built the 124. They had team cars up at, this is in the early 50s at Riverside Park. Okay. Um, actually, before that, my family goes back to Cherry Park and Avon, but I don't have any photos of that car. And then um, when my father was running in the 60s, he adapted the 124. And my uncle Dave took the 123. And it was still team cars. They, they were always, almost always Mopar, and they were always, you know, my family's a big Dodge family and DeSoto's and stuff. And it continued until the 70s when my father had the 124. He kept going with that. My Uncle George built the 123, and my cousin Bruce started driving it. Went all the way up until the main time. And um, I just kept the, I kept the 124. My cousin Bruce who now works for Joe Gibbs. He's been working there for like one of the longest employees. Oh, that's awesome. And my cousin and his brother, Doug, um, who now works, who works at Monaco Ford, which they sponsored the tri-track. Everything is in, everything's tied in. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. My family, <laughs> um, they ran the 123 because of their father. And I just kept the 124. And if that number comes up in my daily life, almost, almost, comically you know <laughs> i always end up on page 124 it's, it's it's just that number constantly comes up so it's i named my business be. after it because it just happened to be uh you know i was proud to pr proud to be running the three digits i get asked a lot about it and um some tracks don't allow it luckily smyrna will yep you know yeah i i do like when when tracks are flexible because like you said you, you don't see the triple digits very much especially especially in a modified you know you see that oh, with yeah. enduro cars all the time and stuff but I've always thought that was super unique and the fact that it's, you know, in, in the business name, I figured it had to have some significance and um, it's cool that it's come up kind of from the family and you got started with the family and it's just kind of followed you through and now it's, you know, like, like I said, it's your daily life, that number, it will haunt you forever, it sounds like. And it, and it really does. So, I mean, I actually, uh, it's amazing, I get, I get license plates, if it's got a 124 Senate in it somewhere like the numbers uh -huh. people send them to me i, I haven't had oh, up cool. in rafters my shop it's, that's that's awesome it's everywhere that number is everywhere for me so it's just it keeps going <laughs> well i uh i appreciate you coming on here telling your story and, and chatting a little bit about uh, some of the great racing stuff that uh, you've done in the past and you're involved with these days uh wanted to give you an opportunity uh you know 
the people that listen to the show, they, they've heard about 124 Welding and Fabrication, but go ahead and uh, tell us some more about it and where we can find you. Um, well, uh, if you want to find me, I have an Etsy store, 124weldingandfab.com or on .etsy, I think, I guess it is. That's more of my metal art. I, um, we do, we, we basically started, um, doing just 1923 to 1931, uh, Ford chassis and suspensions, all hot rod stuff. And then like the first Christmas, that's where the artwork started coming. You know, Hey, can you make this? And I need that. And Next thing you know, I got a whole business, a uh, side business. Um, we do metal art. We do a lot of uh, fabrication, light fabrication on um, for some airboats and stuff. It's you know basically all around. I got a nice little weld shop at the house. I like my commute. It's 20 feet. Yeah, that's great. And, um, that. you know, lately we've been doing a lot of race car repairs. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. But, and, um, you know, I just, I, I like to keep my hands in everything when I'm not at this, when I'm not at the speedway, I'm at car shows and cruise nights. And I just, my whole life revolves around cars and hanging around with cool people. And that's the way I, I've, I've designed my life. And I really like it that way. Man, that, that's the life right there. I'm telling you, that's, you, you can't beat it. I mean, maybe for some you could, but man, that's, that's awesome. And, uh, I really, uh, I thank you for being a supporter of uh, not only this show but our family as well. Um, you're always, uh, you're always there to to talk to, and we always enjoy hanging out with you at the racetrack. And uh, really glad to have you on the show today. I really appreciate appreciate it, Ryan. And uh, once again, always enjoy seeing you and Margo and the, and the, the littles. Well, you know we'll be we'll be seeing you. Can't wait for the next Ground Pounder race, and uh, we'll be uh, we'll be talking to you soon. Thanks again so much for spending uh, part of your day with us. Appreciate it, Ryan. Have a good day. All right, you too, Ron. Thanks. All right, bye. Bye. We would like to take a quick moment and thank our sponsors here at the Racing with Ryan podcast. Again, you can become a part of the Racing with Ryan family. Just $5 an episode. You can do one episode. You can do a bunch. It's up to you. Of course, our anchor sponsor here, American Auto. Of course, that's EJ Wilcox and the pace car driver slash tire manager slash class supporter now over at New Smyrna, American Auto Tires and Service. They'll take care of anything you need done. Of course, tires, it's in the name, service as well. So anything you need, take your car over to American Auto in New Smyrna Beach. Uh, they will, like I said, they'll take care of you. They do an honest job. And again, we got to thank EJ for coming on board with the Superstock class, bringing back the Dash for Cash. And, uh, you know, if you can, one of the big things that uh, happened with the 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 sportsman division that I used to support, he never, never got a thank you. If you could just drop onto Google reviews and search, uh, new Sm- or search American auto, new Smyrna beach and leave a review, just say thank you for all EJ has done in the racing community. It's a good way to give back. You know, if you're not local to new Smyrna and you got a different auto shop and you want it, but you want to say thank you to EJ anyways, just give him a review. He'd appreciate it. American auto tires and service the anchor sponsor here on the Racing with Ryan podcast. Another one of our major sponsors, of course, we just talked to him, uh, Ron D'Alessandro at 124 Welding and Fabrication. Um, we, we talked last week about his Etsy store. Hop on in there and see what he has for sale. Makes great gifts. Like, we, we got my sister uh, a decoration for her house, and it was more of a, we didn't just go to the store and pick something up. You, you put a little bit more thought into a gift like this. So you can check out uh, on Etsy, 124 Welding and Fabrication. It'll pop right up. You can buy some stuff from Ron, all kinds of great stuff. Of course, he does welding too. He helps keep those ground pounders running so that they can bring more cars to the racetrack. So big thank you to Ron 
for coming on board the show as a sponsor and coming on board for the interview today. And a big thank you to one of our newest sponsors here, Jesse's Repair Services. Uh, again, another option if you're not in the New Smyrna area, but uh, maybe you're in the land and you know you, you like options. Jesse's uh, Jesse's Repair Services, full mechanic repair, general mechanical repair, automotive, hydraulic, whatever you need. Three eight six two four three triple zero five. Jesse's Repair Services coming on board here with the Racing with Ryan podcast and our newest sponsor. Huge thank you to this gentleman. He does a lot for the racing community. The, the racing community keeps him going. Of course, that is Andy Morrison and Never Give Up. He's come on board to sponsor this episode. I uh, came out last week with gift cards for the winners of the Bomber A and Bomber B. He didn't have to do that, but he loves this racing stuff. He loves the Bomber division. And again, if you see Andy in the pit area, just go up and say, hey, it really, it it just keeps the man going. It keeps him uh, wanting to be at this racetrack and be part of this community. Again, that's Andy Morrison, Never Give Up our newest sponsor here for this week's episode. Appreciate you, Andy, and we'll see you at the racetrack this Saturday. Thanks to all of our sponsors. I really appreciate you guys. It means a lot um, that you're uh, not only willing to listen to the show, but willing to support it in this way and uh, keep it going on a weekly basis. So thank you to our sponsors, and make sure you check them out. American Auto, 124 Welding and Fabrication, Never Give Up, and Andy Morrison. And, of course, Jesse's Repair Services. Thank you guys so very much for supporting this show. All right, so now we're going to go around the state. And due to Mother Nature canceling Auburndale, 417, and Showtime, that leaves us with Citrus County Speedway, who did get a rain shower. New Smyrna is the only track that didn't get any rain. Florida's weird, man. Um, they got some rain through, throughout the afternoon, but were able to get the races in. And, you know, I thought about... Uh, getting in touch with our friend Jack to see how his race went, only to learn that, uh, um, well, his truck had steering issues and he was not able to compete in the truck race, which was the main event over at Citrus. Uh, they brought 15 trucks out there, because I'm counting Jack as being there. He's not on the results. But uh, he was there, darn it, so we'll give him credit. Um, you can go catch up on Jack Racing to see exactly what happened. So tough break there. I was looking forward to talking about this to see how Jack's progress was going, but uh, his day ended early. But still 14 trucks starting the main event over there at Citrus, which was won by Brennan Pletcher. He's one of the top dogs in the trucks. He was able to beat Devin Kyle, which is a new name for me. Um, Kristen Clements continues her hot streak over at Citrus, third in the late model, third now in the truck. Uh, she was ahead of Cody McDuffie. Blake Clouser finished fifth. That's a, uh, that's a name most of you should be familiar with. Up from the quarter midgets over at Little New Smyrna. Been driving some dirt stuff. Now a fifth-place finish in the 53 truck. Um, Wilson Martins Jr. came over from Auburndale for a sixth-place run ahead of Becca Monopoly, seventh. Carter Brown was eighth. Palmer Hag was in ninth. And tenth was Todd Hag. So good to see the 54, the 53, and the 53 trucks back out there. Now hopefully those guys will come back over to New Smyrna for some uh, for a good payout for 25-lap race next time the Ashley Holmes-Jacks truck race. Um, but yeah, I mean, good field of trucks. I think nowadays, if you can get double digits trucks, you got a good show. Uh, Max Martin, he was also over there, by the way. He, we know him from New Smyrna. So that's what uh, happened with the main event with the trucks. Of course, the Ford Outlaws were in action. They ran uh, regular oval and figure eight. So let's check in. Regular oval race, a 35, 34, it says 34 laps. That's peculiar. Um, 
uh, wow, okay, whatever, 34 laps. Keith Saverell, the winner over Jesse Veltman. Sean Osteen in third, Chucky Hearn fourth, and Braden Boardman, the top five. They started 24 Crown Vicks in the main event. That is huge. That is absolutely huge. That's always, I mean, you put Crown Vicks on over at Citrus and uh, people will be entertained. That's for sure. Figure eights, same cars, but in a figure eight. Uh, they had nine brave souls do that. And Thomas Pete in car number six was the winner over Keith Saverell. Frank Menes, Menesi, he was third. Neil Hearn was fourth. And Chris Rummel rounding out the top five. Legends cars. Ooh, that's not a Legends car. Legends car also in action. My neighbors are showing off over there. Um, Legends cars in action. 15 cars there. And, of course, it was TJ DeCare taking the win over Mason Lastra. Sean Inglis was third. Stephen Hartley fourth. Jared Holly was in the fifth position. Street stocks were also in action. They are different from the pure stocks. Uh, some of them look the same, but they're different. It's like pros and super late models. They look the same, but they're different. Uh, Jace Henley in car number 51 was the winner. A.J. Waller second. Cody Struble third. Peanut Waller fourth. And Jonathan Appleby, the top five out of 12. So good solid field of the outlaw street stocks. I believe that's what they call them over there. And they ran 25 laps. Peculiar. So that's what happened over at Citrus. Um, not a whole lot of, you know, didn't hear a whole lot of hoopla about it. So pretty standard night over there. So uh, things should be good for the next race over there. And like I said, Margo is going to be headed over there. She's going up to hang out with my mother this weekend for Mother's Day. Uh, while I go to New Smyrna and do the quarter midgets, she's going over to Citrus. So we'll get Margo on the show next week and we'll get a more in-depth report of Citrus's races this weekend. Modifieds are back in action over there. So that'll be fun. We'll hear more about that. So as you know, normally when we go around the state, we talk about all the different tracks. Mother Nature wiped everything else out. And I kind of like to take you, I usually see on Twitter or Facebook a big race. So I like to talk about a big race. I know there's a lot of stuff I miss. And I'm probably sure sometimes you guys are like, why didn't he talk about this? What a huge race. You know, not everything is on my radar. And a lot of things happen while I'm at New Smyrna. And I'll be honest with you, I'm not on my phone a whole lot while I'm at New Smyrna. I'm trying to avoid spoilers from NASCAR and this and that. So I definitely do miss some stuff. But on this week's episode, I want to take you up to Vermont, to Corey Hill and Barry. They have a beautiful little racetrack up there, little quarter mile, high bank track, been there forever, Thunder Road. I'm sure many of you uh, know it. Some some of you have been there. Some of you have raced there. It is the it is basically the track that that I went there when I was really little. I went to Plattsburgh and in, uh, I went to Airborne in Plattsburgh, New York, a lot when I was little. And then, as I was kind of in my teens, and I started going to Vermont to hang out with my dad for the summer, like I fell in love with Thunder Road. That was like me and my dad's thing. Like we, my dad worked a lot, didn't have a lot of money, but this is what we got to do. And it's literally the the thing that like cemented me as a short track racing fan. Going to Thunder Road, the memorable moments, the great racing, and um, thanks to a big shout out to Stephen Collins, uh, he got us a, uh, a subscription to Flow Racing during Speed Weeks. So he wasn't able to make it every night, and he let us have the password. So now we're able to follow the Thunder Road racing, and uh, definitely looking forward to this one. They had 117 cars in the pits for four classes, guys. Four classes. 
That's 17 qualification heats. Everybody does qualification heats over there, including the late models. Um, 32 four-cylinder street stocks. Uh, 19 bomber bomber A-type cars with the Road Warriors. Uh, over 30 Tigers and I believe 34 of the American Canadian Tour late models. So they did qualifiers, heats. They did consolation rounds. They had to do B features for the Tigers, which are like sportsmen, kind of, sort of, kind of like a, a sportsman street stock hybrid. Um, and, and they had to send people home. You know, you can only fit so many cars on a quarter mile and not have an Enduro-style wreckfest. And the thing that I took away most, and, and again, this is uh, me watching from the couch on Flow Racing, and I'm going to talk about Flow Racing here in a minute. Uh, we're going to go a little grind my gears segment. Pretty clean night overall. There was a few wrecks. There was a big pileup in the street stock feature, a pretty wild wreck in the Tiger feature. Uh, one of the heats destroyed a late model. And uh, the actual feature event for the late models was relatively clean. Taking a look at the results here. If you have Flow Racing, and Scott Tyler actually went back and, and watched this and, and took pictures and was commenting on how awesome the cars look. That's because, you know, they get an off-season up there, and they got six months where they can just work on their cars, so a little bit easier uh, to get your car in, in tip-top shape for a five-month season. But it was cool to see uh, other people taking the time to go watch this. If you have Flow Racing and you want to watch a good day of racing, go back and, and watch this, because I guess the replay worked a lot better than the live stream. Um, so the ACT late model tour event, second of the season, we covered the event at New Hampshire a couple weeks ago, um, 150 laps and they, they do a plus minus qualifying system as far as how the starting lineup goes. So the more cars you pass in your heat, the better you start. So like, kind of like they did with NASCAR at Bristol. If you start like sixth and win the thing, you get a plus six. If you start on the pole and win the thing, you get like a plus one. So, and it's random draw. So everybody has the same opportunity. Uh, it's not like a quality, you know, they don't do time trials and then make you pass a bunch of people. It's luck of the draw. And those that pass a lot of people start up near the front. And one of the dominating cars was Nick Sweet, but he started back in 12th, didn't really, was kind of stagnant in his heat. So started 12th. And there was a point in the race where not a whole lot happened at the beginning. The early portion of the race was dominated by Marcel Gravel Jr. And, um, he, he led like the first 50 laps and it's a short track. So there's lead changes are scarce. Um, but there was a point where I looked up and I saw Nick sweet was in third and he was chasing down the, the two guys in front of him. And I'm like, Oh yeah, Nick sweet's going to win this race. And this was just past the halfway point or so. And lo and behold, two laps after I say that he shoots around second place on the outside, catches the leader, goes around him on the outside and boom, sets sail. He wins the thing. Nick sweet, He's a driver that I watched um, growing up in 2002, 2003 when he started in the street stocks, the four-cylinder class, moved up to Tigers, and now is kind of a part-time late model driver. He works for Eric Chase, and, uh, you know, he, he drives a lot of the bigger events but doesn't race weekly anymore. Um, so it was cool to to see Nick Sweet, a guy that, you know, I just remember street stocks and Tigers back in the day, and, and now anytime he's in a big late model event, you can't count him out. And sure enough, he goes out there and wins the thing. So Nick Sweet is the winner. Very impressive drive. He beats uh, former track champion Derek O'Donnell. Christopher Pelkey was third. Kyle Pembroke fourth. Jason Corliss, he's a standout in the late model tour. He was fifth. And I'm sure a lot of you guys are like, who the hell are these people? Seriously, go back and watch it on Flow Racing. Uh, really good drivers they have up there. Uh, 28 cars 
started the main event, including Patrick LaPearl. Very cool to see Patrick LaPearl uh, racing once again. He's been to New Smyrna with ACT Tour and some other races. I remember uh, what got me going to Speed Weeks a couple years ago when the ACT Tour came down. I watched Patrick LaPearl crash right in front of me in turn one. That's who I was rooting for. So cool to see him in the field. Didn't have a good race, but nonetheless, he was out there. The Flying Tiger Division, like I said, kind of their sportsman slash pure stock, street stock division. I don't know exactly how their rules would like fit into place down here. But but like if you have a pure stock, uh, you, you could probably qualify, make some changes, you'll be a Tiger. Uh, and they're street stocks, so they're four-cylinder cars. So it's kind of confusing, but it is what it is. They brought out over 30 of these cars. They had to qualify through the field and send a couple of people home. They started 28. Uh, that was a great race. Big, big pileup off turn number four. Of course, the cameras missed it. But uh, it would be just Justin Prescott in car number 44, first career win, and he was a happy camper. So that was cool to see. Always love a first-time winner. Uh, he held off veterans uh, Derek Calkins, Mike Bildu, and Jason Pelkey. And then the rookie driver, Caden Fisher, who is the son of former late model standout Jamie Fisher, uh, rookie in the street stocks a year ago, won the championship, now up the Tigers. First race out, gets a top five. That kid's going to be good. Looking at some uh, some notables here to see if there's anybody that maybe you guys would know. I don't know. I don't think there really are. Just a, a bunch of blue-collar guys that put on a hell of a show. Tigers are a great class. They usually bring 25 to 30 cars on a weekly basis to the high banks. A lot of fun to watch those guys on Thursdays. Uh, street stocks, the advanced four-cylinder class that they have. It's kind of like a mix between the Bomber A's and almost kind of, no, not, not quite. It's like an advanced Bomber A, really, because uh, they run the Road Warriors too, which are the like bone stock jalopy class. So hard to tell exactly if our Bomber A cars would be street stocks or Road Warriors. You guys would have to go look at the rules and tell me because I've, I've looked and I don't, I don't know what the hell's going on. But uh, Dean Switzer Jr., best of field of 31. 31. They let everybody start. They put 31 four-cylinders out on the track at once. And they did have some pileups, but it was a rather good race. The TV coverage was not great for this race, and it went in and out several times. But Dean Switzer Jr. was the winner. Jeffrey Martin finished in second. Hayden Pierce third. Josh Lovely. I grew up watching him in the Flying Tiger class when I was younger. He was my favorite Tiger driver for a long, long time. He finished fourth, and Kyler Davis was in fifth. And then rolling down to the Road Warrior division, their beginner class, um, they started 17 cars, and the race was won by somebody who was driving a bright pink Barbie-type, you know, the Barbie hot rod car. So it uh, it was bright pink, and it won the race. And it was driven by Frank Putney. Frank Putney, the winner. Nate Bryan, second. Fred Flurry in third. Taylor Sayers, fourth. And Ben Bushy, the top five. I, I mean, what a great turnout. The lowest class was 17, and that's a class that I believe is a trophy class. And they brought 17 four-cylinders out there. 30 street stocks, 30-plus Tigers, and 30-plus late models. Qualifying races were probably the best part of the night. So really good start to the season at Thunder Road. And their weekly program is pretty much on par with that. They'll get probably, you know, 18 to 20 late models, maybe 23, 24 on a good night. Uh, they'll get 25 to 30 Tigers, 25 or so street stocks. And the Road Warriors, it's a big conglomeration of you get what you get. Uh, so their weekly program is really fun to follow. Again, flow racing, if you have it. Um, 
here's what I want to say about the Flow Racing broadcast. So Flow Racing, if you have it, it is $150 subscription for the year. They do not have a monthly option. Uh, you can, if you complain long enough, you can get it down to a monthly option and then it'll expire. So there's no way to pay monthly. You got to pay $150 up front, which uh, for me, that's, that's good money. And uh, now luckily, you know, Steven bought the subscription. So we were able to piggyback off his. Um, and that's just, that's his way of giving back for all the, the racing adventures that we go on. But uh, $150 is not cheap. That's about 12 bucks a month. So maybe it's not that bad, but $150 up front. And if you're planning to just like, you know, let, let's say you're local and you can't make it because you're sick or you, you got to work and you just want to watch one event, that that's, whew, that's steep. And here's the problem. We watched it live and it kept, it buffered a few times. And when it buffered, that was, that was our connection. I reset the router and that solved the buffering issues. Was, sometimes you just got to reset your stuff, right? So that was a little bit frustrating at first, but then it would just randomly go to the Flow Sports logo and play their like intro song, like just cut out and go to that. And then it come right back in and then it cut out, come right back in, cut out. That to me is, is a server side issue because it's when it was my issue, it would just buffer, it would just freeze wherever it was and it would load back up and keep going. When it's just cutting out and you're missing chunks of the race because they don't have enough bandwidth or whatever on their end for this big event. This is this team that that and this is not really a flow racing problem. It is the team that covers the Thunder Road stuff for flow racing. I don't know what it is about them. They used to do they used to be they used to be off a different website and you could buy uh, each event individually. And we bought a few two years ago just because it was an option. And we, what else are you doing on a Thursday night if you want to watch race cars? So we, we bought them, and they were okay. They don't really understand how to follow a race. They have two cameras. They have a high camera, kind of like Speedway video, on the front stretch, and then they have a wall a wall cam on the back straight away, and they cut between the two. And whatever they cut to is the feed. So if they cut cameras, the other camera's not, you, you can't see it. Like, even on replays, it is what they capture. It's kind of like the in-car cameras in a cup car. If they switch from, like, in-car or bumper cam, you get what you get. And they miss a lot of stuff. And they, back in the day, in the early 90s, early 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s, they had a guy named Big Jim who would record all the races at Thunder Road. One camera, basically, like, a shoulder-mounted camera, and he would cover, he would capture 95% of the stuff. Didn't miss hardly a thing. And if he missed the start of it, it's like he paid attention to the announcer and went and found it, and you could put the pieces together. This crew, they missed a lot of stuff. Big late model crash, early in the heat, somehow they missed that. Not even a snippet of what happened. Big tiger crash. They cut, they're following it, you see the crash developing, and then they cut cameras and you miss it. And it's like, whoa, come on. Same thing happened with the street stocks. Big crash, bad camera angles. So the crew that covers this for, for flow racing is not the best. And then they had bandwidth problems, which asked Margaret, I was getting really frustrated. And she's like, well, there's nothing you can do about it. And I'm like, I know, but, you know, people are paying good money to watch this. And the coverage is almost to the point where I was close to turning it off. And then I found out the cup race had rained out. So I said, all right, I'll stick with it. From what I understand, the replay is much better. So I don't know if it was just you know, the live stuff having issues and they were able to piece it all together for the upload. 
which is good. So if you want to go back and watch it, I guess it's a better experience. But man, it was rough. Very, very rough. It's it's like, you know, they don't understand how to watch a race. Or I don't know if they're not keyed. You can hear the announcer audio. So I don't know if they're not keyed into that. I don't know if they're monitoring that. But he would say something was going on and they'd be nowhere close to following any of that action. A lot of times they'd just follow the leader and you'd miss a lot of good racing. Um, and I say this not to be mean, but to be critical so that hopefully it improves because it's the same crew as the last two years and I just feel like it's the same issues. And I, I feel like flow racing should be held to a higher standard considering how much money they want for their subscription. So I get that you know flow racing sends different teams and subcontract out, but those teams should be held in the same standards. If Kyle Larson's dirt race out in the middle of bum-freak nowhere, Tennessee, goes off without a hitch, then why are we not having the same equipment and the same type of coverage over at Thunder Road? So that team needs to improve, and that's all there is to it. And hopefully it will for the Memorial Day Classic that's coming up. So, um, awesome. I mean, all of that aside, it was a great day at Thunder Road, uh, a couple of wild incidents. Uh, nobody really torn up too badly. I feel like the racing has definitely changed over there since they put a wall all the way around. I, th- I feel like people take a little bit less risk. Um, there used to be only a wall in the front straightaway and one at the end of turn three separating the pavilion area from the racetrack. Uh, so there was a lot more open space, but you had big ditches that you go flying off. So uh I feel like the groove has definitely been narrowed. It's more of a two-lane track that you used to be able to go three wide. I mean, it wasn't recommended for Tigers and late models, but the street stocks would be packed together three wide, kind of like Daytona Talladega. It's not not quite like that anymore, but all in all, uh, great night, great racetrack. Um, Trying to get up there in July to go to the Governor's Cup and watch Brad Keselowski race with the locals. Not so much for Brad Keselowski, but for Thunder Road itself. Um, Yeah, Tri-Track Modified Tour will visit during the Memorial Day Classic coming up. So that's going to be fun. We'll talk about that race as well. Hopefully the coverage will improve. And um, really, that's uh, that, that's it, man. It's, it was a good week of racing for those that got to, to race. Dover was good. Thunder Road was fun. Uh, New Smyrna was fun. Citrus seemed to have a good show. So I, I'd say solid week of racing. And uh, again, we want to thank uh, Ronda Alessandro for taking some time. Give us a call. That was a great interview. We learned a lot there. Uh, also, big thank you to our sponsors, American Auto, 124 Welding and Fabrication, uh, Never Give Up, and Andy Morrison. Again, just if you see Andy in the pits, just wave at him. Give him a holler. Say, hey, Andy. That stuff makes his day. And then, of course, big thank you to Jesse's Repair Services for coming on board. Um, if you'd like to be part of the show, $5 an episode. We'll get you out there. Appreciate everybody listening. Appreciate all the support. Hope you enjoyed this episode. And we will talk to you again next week. Happy Mother's Day.